everybody, and welcome back to Opera Offstage. I'm Jesse, And I'm Michelle. And happy 2023. Happy New Year, everybody. We are back. I know we've said that about 50 million times throughout 2022, but guess what? It's 2023, and we're back. You can't get rid of us. You're stuck with us. So we are here today to do a little 2022 gossip roundup. We're going to give you all of the tea or as much tea as we can fit in under an hour of all the crazy things that have happened in the opera world and the musical theater world and the surrounding uh, just areas of what it is that we do and all of the drama that has happened in this last year. It was a pretty dramatic year. And also, like, this is just, this is not a journalistic roundup of what's happened. This is just stuff that came across our pages over the course of 2022 that we didn't quite get to talk about. And I don't feel like we can talk about what we think is gonna happen in 2023 until we cover all the nonsense that did happen in 2022. Yeah, there was a lot. There was, like, some really, like, dumb things that just made me stop mid scroll in my feed that I was like wait 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 huh and then there was obviously some people like you know who came under some fire for much more serious things that you're like I can't look away I don't like what I see but I can't look away and so it's been an interesting year so I feel like we can't say goodbye to 2022 quite yet until we go through all of this so to start us off we picked a couple things that we're going to deep dive into but I'm going to start us off with a little speed round um, so our first little thing in our speed round is remember back in early summer when Berlin Opera Academy had their whole, like, or almost all of their costume designers walk out of them because they were being treated horribly? Oh yeah. Impossible deadlines, no budget. We're all there under the pretense that they were going to be students and they were going to be learning under like the best people. And instead they were just given impossible budgets to try and costume like shows that were coming way too quickly for what they wanted like they had every right to just go it's interesting because it's actually been kind of hard to find any information about this i had a lot of stuff saved about this particular topic on facebook from some of the original people involved with screenshots and all this stuff and like a lot of it has just disappeared from facebook which i find very curious Um, So I don't know if the people who spoke out came under some sort of heat. I hope they didn't because they were already put through enough. But that's kind of like one of those things that I don't think everybody in the opera world heard about on Facebook. No shade to the people who had to take that stuff down. Everyone gets nervous with those kind of posts. So even if it isn't like an issue where somebody said like, even if it isn't like threatened legal action or anything, like I don't blame anybody when they take stuff like that down because it's scary. Oh, yeah, it's super spooky. So I feel so bad for all of those costume designers. I don't know the exact number, but I remember when they posted screenshots of kind of their stance, which I'm sure has to be somewhere on the internet still. But it was something like they had like $300 for like all costumes for like several shows over the course of the summer. And that like you can't even do one show, a part of one show with that budget. So just insane. My heart goes out to all those costume designers. I hope they're working on much better projects now. But that happened over the summer. Summer this year was kind of like a turbulent time because, to nobody's surprise, Anna Netrebko donned blackface yet again at Arena de Verona in their production of Aida, which, once again, is anybody surprised? Not really. No. But the thing that was interesting is then in July, unfortunately, Angel Blue then dropped from her 
a debut with them from their production of La Traviata in response, which, I mean, it as great as it is for her to speak out against the company, like, she should not be put in that position. She shouldn't have to drop her work, you know, because well, this yeah. place decides to put on really bad shows. Well, and to be clear, like, Verona specifically continues to do race-changing makeup, like, without mm-hmm. shame. Yep. Yeah, but to no one's surprise, Anna Trepp goes back at it again. Yeah. Continuing on, though, in that same vein, Jamie Barton came was called out for culturally appropriated wigs in Teatro Real's production of Aida, which I think we just kind of know that, like, <laughs> the, uh, people really struggle with that, with Aida. It's, it, it could really go either way. Um, but that happened in October, and... She donned this wig that had a lot of kind of like dreadlock kind of looking braids. And it it just, they didn't put her in blackface, but it definitely did not read right. I will say, I feel like Jamie made a really solid and respectful apology. Obviously, I can't speak for the intention, but it was probably one of the most sincere apologies that I've ever read that made me feel like, wow, the person that's apologizing might actually take action to learn. And so I think it's worth a read. Yeah, I think she solidly, I think she was genuinely apologetic for what she did and remorseful about it. And it opened up a larger conversation about stuff outside, about a question of what is race-changing makeup outside of physically painting your face a different color, which has been largely what the discussion has been of. And so having a discussion about, you know, wigs and makeup and uh, the bigger picture of what it means and the intent behind those makeups. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting discussion point because as we move away from obvious forms, you know, like blackface, it is interesting to see, you know, well, what is the real solution and where's kind of that gray area? We're getting into more open conversations about what is acceptable and that's good. Exactly. Um, Moving on to last month in December, (laughs) we had that whole cyber attack on the Met incident, which completely took out their ticketing system right before, once again, every freaking person scheduled AIDA this this season. But the thing that was interesting- AIDA is a cursed production. It really is. (laughs) But it was interesting because tickets went for just $50. So a lot of people like really scored like amazing tickets for for 50 bucks which is insane and I think you know they it had been going on for over a week and they pretty much just like had no control over their site and so that was the solution they came up with was to just charge like a flat rate of 50 dollars and something that I thought was interesting that the Met actually made a statement on was there was a lot of false gossip at the time that Somehow the cyber attack was tied to either Russia or some Russian group because of how public the Met had condemned Putin and their defense of Ukraine, Uh, which (laughs) I would like to think that, you know, (laughs) the Met is worthy of such great uh, lengths to hack, but I don't think so. I think it was probably just some sort of cybersecurity I understand why people think that. Well, because I will say this. Russia is known for cyber attacks. It's more just or so less. Petty. Like, it's definitely one way. But, <laughs> yeah, it is this very specific thing. But the other thing is we're going to see so many more, not specifically on the Met, but 
a lot of old security and ticketing systems are super vulnerable to hacking, cyber attacks, all of this. And as people just don't up update any of these software issues, you're just going to see more and more of it. But honestly, for all we know, it's some 15-year-old in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. <laughs> Still, it's probably, once again, a it's, wild choice. It's like, yeah, well, we, they really took out the ticketing system at the Met. I just don't know anybody who has that much of a vendetta. Yeah. Um, <laughs> TBD. If you uh, did the cyber attack on the Met, please reach out to us. <laughs> please reach out. Please we, let us know. We'd love to hear, we'd love to hear your side of the story. Um, but probably the most important bit of gossip from this year is that um, our boy, Jonas Kaufman, just somehow keeps adding songs to his Christmas album. He released <laughs> in December the gold edition, the third edition of his Christmas album, which is now three hours and 30 minutes long. I just want everybody to know that that is literally longer than the new Avatar movie. And Jonas Calvin has no right, <laughs> no right at all, to be Jonas making Calvin a seventy-eight album song album. No, no yeah. You he, know what the most egregious error of this is? Is that he has not re-recorded the songs where his English is. I love him. I know I will never sing in German as well as he has. That man says one whore's open sleigh, <laughs> and he has not fixed it. Or, I beg of you, if you have not listened to it. All I Want for Christmas is Mariah You. Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. His spoken word artistry at the beginning of it. <laughs> so I, it's, it's as if he's never heard the song. And I know he has. Nobody has ever been in an airport or a grocery store if they have not heard that song during Christmas time. Yeah, it's just he impossible must be to stopped. avoid. <laughs> So I just want to know, like, now that he came out with the the gold edition, like, what 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 is left? Like, platinum edition? Just like a five hour. <laughs> like, when will he stop? He won't I stop until you. He has an album that can last all of Christmas. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's just gonna put out season. a five hour edition that has him reading the night before Christmas or a Christmas Carol. Oh, I love it. <laughs> that really just brought joy to my heart. Just seeing that. You you do you, Jonas. You do you. Oh, and now it's time to jump into some of our little deeper dives. Definitely one of the biggest stories this year, you know, along with the Berlin Opera Academy. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about the treatment of young artists. Um, mm -hmm. And there was an email leak this year, and that, that went terribly. <laughs> so, for those of you who didn't see this the first time, Opera America puts out emails to people who are part of their performer development network. They use a listserv for that. And they reached out and basically said, are there any topics that you all would like to discuss at the next, uh, at the next network conference call? Very normal. This kind of email goes out to a very wide variety of people. So... <laughs> Originally, when the story came out, the emails were put in the wrong order, and it created some confusion. But I'm going to read them to you in the correct order, so you get the idea of exactly what everyone was seeing. Okay. Give us a rundown. Um, so, one of the responses was Lori Rogers, who is the head of music staff and the director of the Young Artist Program of Opera Saratoga, wrote, 
I would like very much to have a discussion about young artist attitudes, pushback, growing sense of entitlement, etc. This was the most difficult year I've had by far in 12 years with my company in terms of attitude issues and difficult singers. And I'd like to know who else is experiencing this and how they are dealing with it. Thanks. Yoy. Big, big yikes. Big, so, big yikes. So then David Ronis, who works for La Musica Lirica, it's a program in Italy. Says, thanks so much for bringing this important issue up, Lori. I think that most of us would agree that we are experiencing this phenomenon more than ever. We certainly are here at La Musica Lirica in Italy. I'm sorry to have missed this meeting. I'll look forward to hearing in particular how that part of the meeting went. Regards, David. Yikes. And then there's one more email on here from Peter Cazeras who says, Lori, I'm happy to discuss my own experiences with this. I'm not sure there is any particular silver bullet for this problem, and it may correct itself with time, but for sure this past year was a nightmare. Oh my god. Yeah. It just gets worse and worse. Everybody just adding fuel to the fire. These emails are bad enough on their own, but what caused a very specific and nightmarish amount of confusion was that there was another person whose name is Stephanie Savoranik. She is not a member. They, they made very specifically in a in a press release, made clear to say that she is not a member of Opera America, nor on the staff of any opera company or Opera America educational program. She joined the listserv, probably had an affiliation with an organization related to that at some point. But as far as we know, she doesn't actively work for anyone. She had some particularly harsh words to say. And mind you, I think in their original ordering of the original and incorrect ordering of these emails wasn't hers first. Yeah. So originally when when all of this was released, her email came first and it made it seem like everyone was agreeing with her. But I believe Lori Rogers and those other emails all came first. I actually think that after Stephanie replied to the email with this, they cut off the chain so that no more people could yeah. reply because it's you'll see why. Uh, society has pandered to young people for a long time, but now more than ever, with identity front and center on every campus, ad campaign, and TikTok, youths believe they are entitled to respect from everyone without having done anything to earn that respect. Everything from special pronouns to the compelled speech it entails, and the ramifications of real social punishment if one does not comply with each person's personal whims, has led to the situation we are in today, with people being more narcissistic and entitled than ever. Children believe they are entitled to teaching adults in the room about respect, about identity, about decorum, and about morality, even. The social media culture propped up by advertisers, corporations, and educational institutions themselves have become a crockpot for endless ego satiation for the young, whose brains have not even fully developed yet. To end this drama, adults are going to have to step up, say no, risk being canceled, and bring back appropriate social norms. Future generations will thank you for standing up to this. Wow. That's bad. <laughs> It's so bad. It really, like, ugh. There's a couple things about this email specifically that I really love, um, which is, A, children. I'll have, oh, I would love oh. to know what age the people in your young artist programs are, because most of them are fully grown adults who have been out of school for a while. Like, most programs have people who are at minimum 21, 22. Oh, that makes me so that oh, that makes my blood boil. Children, and I was like, I I also just love this idea. First of all, they're like, oh, you haven't they haven't done anything deserving of respect. Okay, give me the list of things you've done that make you deserving of respect, other than not dying. I hate when people think that not dying and therefore becoming old makes you deserving of respect. Not dying is not that impressive. <laughs> 
that makes me so mad because it's also like you should not have to do things to warrant like respect like you should just be respected as a human being like, oh that yeah should just you should not have to prove or do something to to expect respect from the professional colleagues that you're working for i feel like that is just like the foundation of of working together with people on an artistic project it doesn't make any sense to me aged myself real quick but there was like a really great tumblr post about respect a long time ago and it was i'm gonna just read it but uh it says sometimes people use respect to mean treating someone like a person and sometimes they use respect to mean treating someone like an authority and sometimes people who are used to being treated like an authority say if you won't respect me i won't respect you and they mean if you won't treat me like an authority i won't treat you like a person and they think they're being fair but they're not that yes and that's exactly what it is yeah it's i don't know it everything about it just reads so so poorly so i'm I'm not surprised that they cut it off but honestly it's also kind of a shame that they cut it off only because we would have probably a longer list of people who should also be recognized for similar opinions oh yeah um i'm sure a lot of people would have chimed in with similar sentiments so but regardless um you don't always have to look too far to find those kind of sentiments anyways. But it, I think the thing that really is so upsetting about this whole email incident is that supposedly, except for this person, Stephanie, who really just kind of pushes it over the edge, all these people are kind of getting to the same point of, oh, no, our young artists are like actually asking for reasonable things and are actually pushing back against, you know, not being treated like human labor for our productions. Wow, they're so difficult. And it's it's just really upsetting to know as young artists that the people who are supposed to be in charge of training us and cultivating a career and boosting us up as artists are saying this behind closed doors. Yeah. It's it's just so messed up. Because the people who are in, who were in Opera Saratoga read that. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's just attitudes, pushback, and a growing sense of entitlement. Entitled to knowing how long you're going to be working. Entitled to pay that actually, you know, there there is no other field where people are expected to get a master's degree and then work for pennies the way opera does. There's also not a lot of other careers that expect you to be able to pay rent in two places at once. Oh, yeah. Wherever you're actually based and wherever they require you to relocate for a six, nine months, you know, Somebody was just contract. posting about that. There was a professional opera singer who was just posting about having to book an Airbnb for three months and how insane, like, how much that cuts into what you're paid. But, yeah, it's it's frustrating to watch people talk about us behind our backs and act like people saying basically this is what i need to survive in this industry or i'm not gonna have people you know treat me horribly anymore that doesn't fly in the industry i don't know there was an apology posted by opera saratoga and i'll read that off really quick they posted it's actually the last thing posted on their instagram for this year nice but last week in an email written by the director of our young artist program was shared widely via social media in which he made disparaging remarks about young artists attitudes and behaviors we want to acknowledge that this type of rhetoric is disrespectful and hurtful and she's been in touch with this year's artists directly to apologize to them the discussion that followed has brought some light to some serious issues with our program at opera saratoga and we are committed to addressing them uh, we are in the proc 
process of conducting interviews with the artists who participated in the program, but we realize that some artists may not be comfortable sharing their experiences directly with us. We are grateful to know that our SE Young Artists and Opera America are also collecting feedback that can be shared with us anonymously. The situation warrants thoughtful and meaningful action. Once we have completed this review process, we will publicly share the actions we are taking to ensure the artists we serve are treated with respect, while also ensuring that they continue to have artistic experiences that advance their professional goals. I haven't seen anything from them. Obviously, it wasn't posted on here, um, but maybe I'll reach out to them and see if they actually <laughs> ever posted anything. Let's all email them. Everybody email Opera Saratoga <laughs> and see what they're up to. Be like, I don't know. You know. This happened in July, so we'd like to know. It's disappointing to not see an apology directly from her. Yeah. And I guess, too, the whole thing is just like, without us, there is no you. Yup. You can be a director of dust. <laughs> Literally. I don't know. It's frustrating in a season where I watch so many people dropping out of music to sit here and think about a year of battling with people who don't believe that I'm deserving of respect or people who would call me a child at 28. And these are people high up in these opera companies. They're not like, you know, oops, sorry, we had like this whatever like seasonal hire and they absolutely believe that they have the right they are entitled yeah they believe that they are entitled to treat you that way because somebody treated that them that way when they were coming up in this industry it's whack so that was the email nightmare um there really isn't much follow-up to that there was an apology never seen anything i don't know that any of the other people ever posted about it or apologized but it's i don't know that was definitely a disappointing thing to have popped up this year yeah i would have to go and see if the young artists coalition ever followed up because they're actually pretty on top of you know checking in with people yeah that make some vague apology with no actionable steps so i'll, I'll look up and uh we'll post, post anything that I we find, find anything yeah yeah an ongoing debacle on the buck wild side of things um you know i thought we wouldn't hear much more about Placido Domingo after uh, he kind of obviously stopped working in America after 20 women came forward and had allegations of varying levels of sexual assault and harassment from him. But oh no, we we stumbled straight back into it. And it was from this report was from NPR and Classic FM. Placido <laughs> Domingo was linked to a criminal ring, a crime ring in Argentina. Um, so first of all, when I originally read this story, because we had some of this like in the barrel a while back, uh, I didn't realize exactly what the crime ring was. So I'm actually going to tell you what the crime ring does first. But also, it's so important to know that all of this news reporting is coming from NPR. Oh, like NPR, credible... Classic FM. Um, I will say this. There haven't been updates on this case since August. No public updates. So I'm sure they're still compiling stuff. But... I should be clear that even though he's linked with them, Placido Domingo is not arrested. There are no charges against him. He just has connections to these people. But it's so funny because if I didn't know that this was an NPR news coverage, I would literally think that it's from The Onion. Oh, like, yeah. Just some it's absolute meme. Nuts. <laughs> so 19 people were arrested in a massive raid of the famed Yoga School of Buenos Aires, including its 84-year-old founder, Juan Perkowitz, alleging that it's actually a transnational criminal organization that recruited women into geisha-style apprenticeships to earn points and ascend levels within the group. Oh, my God. Yeah, basically, it's a cult, and they would get women into the cult, 
and then use them to have sex with people who had power and money in order to gain influence. Members who reached the seventh level of spiritual evolution in the yoga school would supposedly gain eternal reincarnation. At least seven women were allegedly recruited into the group in Argentina, and teenagers, teenagers and minors were sexually exploited. Jeez. Yeah. So now let's get into what does this have to do with Placido Domingo? So, so unfortunately, there is a, a wiretap. So there is a recording of Placido Domingo speaking on the phone um, with a woman who was first identified as Mendy, later revealed to be Susan Mendelevich who is a 75-year-old pianist. Oh? But he's talking to her, and they're discussing basically how he's going to meet up with a prostitute. As his representation is made very clear, he is not officially a part of the crime ring. He is simply a consumer of prostitution, uh, which is not really... It's not something I imagine's on his, his website. Placido Domingo, tenor, consumer of prostitution... That's such a weird way to put it. Oh, it's the worst. Consumer of Consumer prostitution. Consumer prostitution. Oh, my God. Once again, I cannot even begin. But, uh, yeah. And, of course, they're like, they're like, and just so you know, uh, prostitution is not a crime in Argentina. And I was like, that doesn't really make me feel better considering the person he's talking to traffics minors. Yeah. I was like, people have all different feelings about sex work. But let's be clear that the people he's talking to are not necessarily engaging in voluntary sex work. Yeah. Also, once again, consumer of prostitution. The worst description you could ever have in defense of yourself. <laughs> I hate that. They're like, guys, don't worry. I'm not a criminal. I'm just a consumer of prostitution. So this woman, oh he's worked with her. He's performed with Susanna Mendelievich. And oh. she, not only that, she's mentioned as having worked with, having like played one of Piazzolla's work with, Rostropovich, who was a very famous cellist, like she, she's done a lot of work with people, so it's kind of she's nuts. legit. Yeah, it's just kind of nuts. Placido Domingo's personal statement on here says, "What I feel strongly is that they were a group of friends that I consider musicians. On one occasion, I invited them to work, and unfortunately, it was not like that. But well, in short, of course, I have nothing to do with that. It's very sad when you think you have friends for many years and realize that they used you, mm-hmm. and they do, they do." talk about him on the tapes of like how they were gonna get him on their side and how they were trying to like recruit him into the group which makes sense because he's an international musician but it also kind of becomes clear that he definitely wasn't in the crime ring he was just mid recruitment they definitely wanted him in the crime ring but anyway he's you can hear him talking to Susanna um, and they're arranging for him to split off from his agents and meet up with a woman in a hotel room see this is so wild to me because I feel like if you're like the average run of the mill good person, like you don't just have these peripheral close friends who are literally leading sex trafficking rings. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Well, that's the thing that drives me nuts. I don't know who else in the ring is a musician, but it's nuts to me that there's like this seemingly decently successful pianist and she's like, yeah. And on the side, I, you know, run a sex ring. Yeah. When I don't have enough gigs. <laughs> I was dying because of the initial time we learned about this. I didn't realize it was like a yoga school that was actually a cult. Yeah, but they did do a big bust, right? Yeah, that, like I said, they arrested 19 people. Well, that's good. Hopefully they got those girls out. Yeah. That's crazy. It's insane. Yeah. Um, But yeah, they were making tons of money. I mean, it's not really a surprise why they do what they do. Placido Domingo got caught in the, the middle of it. And I 
this is about the worst press you could get for yourself, considering the other things that Placido Domingo is accused of. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you don't just have, like, close colleagues who are involved in this kind of stuff without being, like, sketchy yourself. But I think the thing that really was so shocking, like, this is probably the most shocking thing that happened all year for me, aside from the opera saratoga and opera america emails mostly just because like the actual situation is so sad and is not funny at all i feel terrible for these minors and these women who have been literally brainwashed in this cult and brutally taken advantage of but all of the surrounding factors are just so bizarre that i just keep going back to the fact that i have to remind myself that this is an npr article and not like a meme or like some weird comic skit because it's just so bizarre Yeah, well, it's like when we all found out that that actress who was on, I don't remember, the Superman show? You know who I'm talking about? (laughs) The time we revealed that there was a massive sex cult in America. Uh, Nexium. Nope. Oh, well, (laughs) that's that's a story for another time, Michelle. (laughs) Basically, somebody who was involved with Nexium used to be an actress on Smallville, which is like a Superman TV show. Oh, Yeah, I do remember Smallville. I never watched it, though. Okay, well, you get the gist of it. It's just one of those things where you sit back and you're like, really? What? Why? But also, it's hard to sit there and say, like, I had no idea what they were doing. I was like, but I also hit up my 75-year-old pianist friend to meet a prostitute. I can't tell in the conversation if she's arranging for him to meet a prostitute or if she is a prostitute. And I I don't care. (laughs) I don't care, honestly, which of the situation that is. You can go listen to the tapes. I, I I couldn't really make heads or tails of it. And I was like, the specifics realistically don't matter that much to me. It's still weird. Consumer of prostitution. Yeah, it's so bizarre. That's something we haven't heard before on the podcast, folks. But uh, on, <laughs> yeah, not usually the reporting we would do about a, a, a well-known musician. But uh, yeah, 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 I don't know. Here we are. At that point, why don't you just retire? I mean, what is Placido Domingo? How old is he now? Yeah, I was, I was about to say, I was like, can't you just stop? Isn't he? Is he's he 81. 80s? I was going to say. And he has a wife. He's, he's pretty he up. He has a wife. Yeah. Wow. This is no, like, the whole thing is just sad. Oh, his wife's a soprano. Justice for Marta. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> soprano. Uh, soprano sympathy. Yeah. Solidarity. What? A nightmare. Yeah, just absolutely bizarre news. This reminds me of watching uh, Yes, Giorgio. (laughs) Oh my god, Just an absolute nightmare. nightmare. (laughs) On a less depressing note, another really big story across the music world, and especially on TikTok, where I simply could not stop seeing this story, and therefore everyone else has to listen to it too, and not (laughs) not just my poor boyfriend, was the Leah Michelle funny girl saga it really went on for so long i'm going to give you the world's speediest rundown of the timeline so we can actually talk about the interesting part of it right august 2021 okay prior to this year they announce a funny girl revival this is a huge deal funny girl has not been on broadway since barbara streisand ended her run and it has always been a big deal of like who's gonna bring it back Mm -hmm. now it has already been revived in london on west end but not in america okay Leah Michelle had basically been running a decades-long co- campaign to be in this production. <laughs> so people were really surprised when they cast Beanie Feldstein, who you might know from 
Booksmart and a couple other movies. She's the younger sister of Jonah Hill. She's yeah. a very popular actress in film. She had also, prior to this moment, been in Hello, Dolly as Minnie Faye in a supporting role. Oh. People were really nervous about it. Leah Michelle wrote on her Instagram congratulating her and kind of trying to dispel the idea that she was, like, somewhere fuming. Mm-hmm. Even right? though she probably was. <laughs> she couldn't read the announcement, so we'll never know. Um, have you heard that rumor? No, what? Oh, there's a, like... <laughs> there's a big conspiracy that Leah Michelle can't read, but I don't have time for that one. That's for another day. <laughs> Google Leah Michelle can't read. I I can't help you here. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's a very funny conspiracy. But anyway, okay. we're going to zip forward into 2022. All right? I'm sorry. We're in no, there's no time. <laughs> Whether Leah Michelle can read or not is not our problem today. <laughs> So we get to April 2022. Funny Girl opens and is immediately bombing in the reviews. Oh, God. All right. Helen Shaw of New York uh, writes that Feldstein's voice lets her down and described her singing as piercing and unpleasant. The New York Times' Jesse Green called her good and funny enough in places, but he acknowledges that her voice is not well suited to the music. And... Not too long after, she also had, like, recurring bouts with COVID and tonsillitis. Oh, jeez. And she ends up saying that she will depart the show in September. So we hit May. Funny Girl gets almost completely snubbed at the Tonys. Jared Grimes mm-hmm. was the only actor to get a nomination, and they also don't perform during the show. Jeez. I know. That's rough. Also, we should all watch the Tonys together this year. <laughs> that would be fun. Yes. Yeah. So then we hit June. Feldstein is out of her role again because of a COVID diagnosis. And Julie Banco steps in to absolute rape reviews. Like, woohoo! I saw, I first saw Julie Banco on TikTok. Like, somebody was posting, like, snippets of the role and, like, stuff that sh- she had posted. And she, she was. She was fantastic. So then at, later in June, she officially announces that she will be leaving on September 25th. And Jane Lynch also announces that she will be leaving the show. On September 25th. According, however, according to like an in- original interview with the director, Michael Mayer, she was supposed to be on the show for a full year. So she is leaving like six months in, maybe? Not even? Wasn't there some rumors that uh, when Jane Lynch and all these people decided that they were going to be leaving was because there was, you know, rumors that they would be bringing Leah Michelle in at this point? Oh boy, we'll get to that. Before they eventually did? We will okay, get to and she, that. everybody was like, I don't want to be on this production right? with her. So we hit July 2022. Beanie then drops on her social media that she's actually going to leave at the end of July instead of September. And she just, oh. she attributes her departure to the producers taking the show in a different direction. Production then announces Leah Michelle's casting the next day. Oh, jeez. And she's like, it's a dream come true. <laughs> then Jane Lynch announces that instead of leaving on September 25th, she was now going to depart on September 4th, which is like oh. right before... Leah Michelle will take over. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Interesting, interesting. Okay. Yeah, she's like, I want to get gone. <laughs> right? And when people asked her about the casting, she's like, I've talked to Leah about the casting. And she was also, people were obviously asking her about her stepping down. And she goes, you know, it was just a really strong idea to have Tova Feldsha, who was taking over the role of uh, Mrs. Bryce, Jane Lynch. It was a really strong idea to have Feldsha and Michelle premiere together. That's the only reason we won't appear together. I adore her. And she's just going to take the show and make it her own. So she she makes a 
kind statement about it because obviously, yes, there were rumors flying everywhere that Jane Lynch did not want to be in a production with her, um, especially because they yeah. worked together on Glee. Then both the producers and Beanie Feldstein's representation put out a thing that basically denied the reports that Beanie had blindsided producers with her early exit announcement. They were like, no, 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 we knew. And she just decided that it was best for her to leave at that time. And the producers, you know, agreed and they, they came together on that decision. Because there were some thoughts that because that statement came from her and not the production, and it was before the announcement of Leah Michelle, people thought that Beanie had basically been like, I'm done. Yeah. Michelle's casting was obviously super controversial because so many people who had worked with her on Glee had outed her as being like super aggressive towards castmates, lots of microaggressions towards castmates of color. Most of the people who worked with her on Glee did not like her. Mm-hmm. Um, but despite all of that, the tickets for when Leah Michelle was to take over were like skyrocketing. Yep. Like thousands of dollars. Right? That's so crazy. <laughs> Jane Lynch ends up leaving even earlier. She's going to leave on August 14th. She announces in August that she's leaving much, much earlier. This was largely just because she had a vacation and then she also had to be in an award show. And so she essentially would have just come back for one week of performances. Mm-hmm. So understandable. Um, September 2022, there is a New York Times profile of Leah Michelle where the director reveals that Michelle was considered for the role of Fanny Bryce. They didn't offer it to her because she had just had a baby. And so they didn't oh. think she would want to be in this production and, you know, having recently had a kid. After Feldstein was cast, he noted that he had a conversation with Michelle telling her, look, I know this probably isn't what you want to hear, but this is what we're doing. I would love to do Funny Girl with you sometime. And she reached out to him in November 2021 and offered to step in as Feldstein's replacement when her run ended. So it would have been a year, noting that she mm-hmm. would be honored to play the role. And I think probably kind of understanding that, yeah, it would be kind of insane to have a new baby and take on a role. (laughs) Especially one as demanding as that. She, in an interview with People, said, I think everybody just thinks everything is so drama-filled. I also think that people really love the excitement of pitting women against each other, which I think is really sad and unfortunate. Um, And she wrote some lovely things about Feldstein's performances. So she premieres on, I believe, September 10th. She gets four standing ovations in her first show. At the end of act- Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Michelle received a total of four standing ovations before the end of act one. Another two followed in the show's second act. Yo, that's pretty freaking lit. <laughs> Harvey Firestein said, I haven't had a night like this in the theater in years. Um, also, the first, like within days of starting the show, she got COVID. Jeez. Yeah. Almost immediately. <laughs> and now let's skip ahead to December 2022. Funny Girl broke the all-time box office record at Broadway's August Wilson Theater. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, in a time where Broadway is struggling a little bit with the lack of tourism. And then also, or great news, Julie Benko uh, performs as Fanny every Thursday, which I love. Good I really her. love that, too, because it was kind of interesting that uh, I remember when this was all coming, to, coming out live um, in real time that I was kind of bummed that Personally, I think that Leah Michelle's voice is insane and amazing. Don't love her as a person, but her voice is incredible. And But I didn't like the fact that they were just going to kind of boot out Julie Benko when she kind of helped boost the show back up in the interim. Oh, yeah. And I was like, that sucks. She, like, was ready to do her thing, and then she completely rocked it. And now we're only giving her, like, a month to 
you know, I, I, I felt bad for her. I wanted her to go on for longer, so I'm glad to hear that she's still um, rocking it. Yeah. Well, here's my thing about it. All right. So there was lots of controversy outside of just this crazy timeline I just read off to you guys. <laughs> I think we should post the timeline as one of our slides. Mm-hmm. Um, not only was Leah Michelle controversial because there was all of that, but there was also some controversy about how Beanie was treated. Because the costume changed when it wasn't her, and it was, like, a little more sexy, and it showed a little more. And so there's discussion Mm -hmm. of, like, how we dress people who are plus-sized on Broadway. Mm -hmm. This is a a complicated issue. Because here's the thing. I have heard recordings of Beanie, and she shouldn't have ever been cast in this role. And I'm comfortable saying that. I don't – it is nothing against her voice. There are plenty of roles on Broadway that she could sing. This is a hard role. This would have been a hard role for anybody, much less somebody who doesn't have that much Broadway experience. And that's so unfortunate. Did you ever see anything about why she was cast? No. I I think it might have just been partially because, I mean, she had been in Hello, Dolly, I think 2017, 2018. And I think maybe just her rising star in Hollywood, you know, having been in so many movies recently and everything, I think people you know, started to pick up and yeah, it was bad luck, unfortunately. And that's not her fault. No, I mean, it it really, that's why I asked as to if there was any insight as to maybe why she was picked, because I think it's really unfair to pick anyone without, who doesn't like first and foremost have the voice to carry that role. When you consider the fact that the last person to sing it on Broadway was Barbara freaking Streisand. Yeah. Like, that's that would be unfair to pretty much anyone. <laughs> like, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. No, it was honestly cruel to cast her in that role. Yeah. It was, it's like the time I got cast as the understudy of Donna Elvira. Thank you, but I'm also never going to sing it. I don't have that voice. It's fun. But, uh. Yeah. Like, yeah. There are tons of things she can sing. She doesn't have a bad voice. That role requires such a powerhouse belt like nobody's business you have to be like an expertly legit trained singer yeah that is like yeah i i don't know if they thought they could train that into her by the time that it opened or what that said while i respect that they probably cast leah michelle because they knew it would bring in lots of people who knew her from her glee days and people who had been waiting to see her do this role it sounds like it was despite everyone's saving face via posting about it it sounds like beanie got surprised and that they told her that leah michelle was going to come in and that they were probably going to end up splitting the role for a while it probably wasn't meant Mm -hmm. to ever be a hard cutoff between her and her yeah and i i'm sure that's why she left and honestly come back to broadway beanie in another show because this sucks it, it sucks to watch somebody take on a role that you had and get the reviews that you thought you were going to get. I know. It's sad. I hope I hope you don't give up on Broadway because it's worth it. But I also think it's nuts that they didn't just go with Julie Banco. Why they didn't just give her her Sutton Foster moment and ride the wave of the TikTok popularity. Because it was. It was a Sutton yeah. Foster moment. She stepped up when somebody got sick. Totally. Yeah. I'm glad that they're letting her do it once a week. And she also put out a statement, obviously, welcoming leah michelle into the cast and everything but i do think that i don't know i don't think leah michelle ever really apologized for what she did on glee and i feel bad for the people who have had to deal with her 
and then have to turn around and be like, she's here. She is just as successful as she has been. At least she didn't get yeah. cast in the Wicked movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. But um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. But that was a wild, wild thing. And Beanie deserved better from everybody around her. <laughs> she sure did. This last thing that I have to say is actually I learned didn't happen this year. It happened the year before. But I. It's okay. We can tie it in. I can't go <laughs> without talking about this because it gets reposted on the internet like every other week. There is It's so true. There is a concert where Lisette Oropesa is singing Sempre Libera from Traviata. And it's an encore for her recital at the end of the Verdi Festival in Parma, Italy. All right? So normally there would be a tenor off stage also singing. Now, Michelle, when we talked about this, you said that the tenor didn't show up. There is no tenor. It is an encore. Oh. There was no planned tenor, okay? Okay. It's a solo recital. And I double-checked that because I wanted to make sure a student who I will not name, I don't not name him rudely. I'm not naming him because he's apologized for this, so I don't want to put his name in here. But he steps in to sing the role, right? So he decides to join in with the aria. And I'm, yeah. I'm sure most of you have seen the video. It's everywhere. Otherwise, you can just like look up Lisette Oropesa duet audience. All right? And he sings mm-hmm. very well. He's got a beautiful voice. But it drives me nuts every time I see it. <laughs> if somebody started singing during my recital, I would lose my mind. <laughs> also, what if he had been bad? What if he had messed yeah. up the orchestra? What if he had been wrong about the words or the rhythm? Yeah, it's... <laughs> Honestly, Everyone's I think it's a like, pretty baller oh, move. Isn't, isn't it beautiful that he like stepped in to sing? No. If she wanted a tenor in it, there would have been a tenor there. <laughs> on stage yeah <laughs> so i i always just i frustrates me when i see that posted and lisa orpesa that just the most gracious and lovely woman in the entire world and of course she like she like blows a kiss and she took pictures with him afterwards <laughs> but i was just like there's so much that could have gone wrong here yeah so the student ended up like saying that I set up to sing because Lisette Oropesa is a musician I love very much and I happen to have learned this opera before. However, he added he would not risk pulling a singing stunt like this again. And he says, it is definitely not something worthy of pride nor worthy of being advocated. Please don't interrupt singers when they are singing on stage. It's impolite behavior. Don't imitate me and I will never do this again in the future. <laughs> I, um, I love that he's just like, don't ever do what I did. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> I'm glad he said that, though, and it does make me feel better that he said that because I was like, I don't want a bunch of people thinking that you can go and join in. I'm all for, like, more audience opera, like, interaction and people being more into it. That does not include singing. <laughs> please, well, it's interesting please don't because, sing the other like, role in the duet. Well, it is one of those things where I feel like this could almost become, like, a trend, and the trend could be very problematic. Of interrupting performances. It would not become um, a trend. That... Because if you tried this with any other singer, they would smack you. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Honestly, or conductor. Oh, my gosh. To be honest, if somebody interrupted me or, like, joined in when they weren't supposed to, you cut it. You wait, and you're like, I'll be singing this Are one. you done? Yeah. <laughs> well, like I said, I, it's great that he was good, but think about how many people who are not that good would do this. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. That's so funny because I feel like when it was originally going viral and it was probably just misinformation, I guess, because everybody was saying like, oh my gosh, the tenor didn't come in. 
which I guess is true. The tenor didn't come in because apparently there wasn't one to be planned. Literally like the fourth. It was like her fourth encore piece. Yeah. Which and good for her. Why... That's exhausting. But <laughs> but no, that's just the internet doing what the internet does where they just rename yeah. things and make up facts because people like it. Yeah, exactly. There oh, was that's a, so funny. There was a video. There's a video of two YouTubers boxing each other. And somebody had retitled it, like, a father boxing his son. Oh, no. <laughs> and Joe Rogan got a hold of it. He's like, this makes me oh, sad. God. He's like, he, of course you can teach your kid a lesson, but this guy's just walloping on him. He's like, I just, you're not <laughs> supposed to do that to your kid. And the guy goes, well, that's not really what this is. This is just two YouTubers boxing. And he goes, that's oh, so funny. why does it lie? <laughs> oh, my God. Why does it lie? But yeah, that's the internet for you. And, and people have said that, like, oh, he stepped in when the tenor didn't show up on stage because that's a cuter story than he interrupted a concert. <laughs> yeah. So now, now, now that I've gotten that off of my chest because I see that video every week and I have to talk to someone about it. <laughs> Predictions for 2023. Now that we've talked about some of the nuts that happened in 2022. Now, first of all, Anna Detrepko will literally be the same person forever and ever. Um, so I, I'm i sure this year will include some form of blackface and or race-changing makeup. Who knows? Maybe it'll be yellowface this year. Maybe she'll matter, Madam Butterfly. She will definitely say something offensively nationalistic <laughs> in the midst. I don't know. Maybe she'll say something wildly pro-Putin. We can definitely count on some whack behavior from Miss Detrepko. Um Followed by followed by a very non-apologetic apology. Oh, yeah. And she will continue to never actually apologize for anything. Her apologies will continue to read as, I'm sorry you took it that way, and I'm sorry you got offended. Yeah. On my Instagram, so. I posted uh, a story, uh, probably after the first blackface incident of the year. Um, and I said, found a preview of Anna Natrebko's next non-apology, and it says... After much consideration of my past behavior and serious self-reflection over the years, I have decided to become worse. I am not sorry, and I will do it again. I hope you all understand and continue to support me. Thank you. And uh, I'm sure I'll repost that sometime this year. Yep. It is also the 150th anniversary of Rachmaninoff's birth, which means that we're going to see a lot of Rachmaninoff programmed in concert halls this year. And I imagine that's gonna be a little awkward considering that there were many questions about programming russian music this year um they're still gonna do it though because it is rachmaninoff yeah wildest thing his music is so good i've already been to a concert with rachmaninoff this year (laughs) and i found out his last performance ever was in knoxville tennessee and i was like that's a shame what that's i would be so sad (laughs) i was like (laughs) i turned to my boyfriend and i was like well at least he you know made it back to beverly hills before he died because it would suck to both perform and die in knoxville oh my god knoxville's just a big college town out here in case anyone was wondering huh yeah that will be interesting to see how what the programming looks like kind of across the board knowing that oh yeah but you'll definitely see plenty of rachmaninoff uh programmed this year for that reason I think we'll definitely see some more gender-bent opera. We obviously had the casting in Chicago Lyrics, Carmen. Um, and I expect we'll see more of that. That was a pretty popular production. And I think more small, I mean, Lyrics, not small, but I think smaller opera houses will take the cue from that and do some fun casting in their productions. Mm-hmm. Because drag is in. And have a good time. 
Especially when it's Stephanie Blythe. <laughs> Most of opera is gender bent in some way anyway, so might as well. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Give give our contraltos something else to do other than the witch, the crone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The angry mother. <laughs> and of course, I mean, we can't not do a prediction for the Met. So I will come back to this recording when they drop their 2023-2024 list for their season. But I am saying that t- the Met will put out an immensely boring 2023-2024 season. Uh, with one new work by like a living composer and maybe one 20th century piece. If we're feeling crazy at the Met. Yeah. And then the rest will be their usual productions with their usual stagings and their usual sets. There there will be nothing interesting. <laughs> our, our other prediction for 2023, which is just honestly at this point purely data driven, is that... Um, <laughs> is that uh, Jonas Kaufman will put out an even longer Christmas album because that's just what he does, you know? And I was talking to Jesse because I was like, the first one that came out was red and then we had green and then now there's the gold edition. And I was like, what's left? Platinum edition? Platinum. Five hours long? (laughs) 24 hours long to listen the entirety of Christmas Day? I'm going to say I don't know. next year is going to be platinum. And it's only going to be 30 more minutes. It's going to be four hours. I can't. I mean, I love Jonas, but I can't. He has been adding <laughs> to it every year. I doubt this is the year he's like, you know what? Maybe it's enough. He's so sneaky about it, too. He like doesn't really promote the Christmas no. stuff, but he keeps releasing more. It just appears he's to so haunt like, all of us who know. Who know. I. Uh, yeah. We reopen it oh, only man. to find another longer Christmas album. <laughs> yeah exactly and it is not a gift because then i have to figure out what he's added to it and how it's different or if it's just another song in yet another language yeah couldn't tell you a true mystery um do all i want for christmas is you in german yeah but i will say that there are definitely a lot of um like movie musicals coming out this year and, and the following and uh, did you see it at the, what was it, at the Golden Globes, Kate Blanchett won? Was that movie Tar? tar? Yeah. Oh, the, I didn't called? know that she won, but yeah, I'd heard. She, yes, she won. I thought that was awesome. Everyone I thought that, that movie was about a real person, which was hilarious, because I also had to Google. I was like, is this about somebody or is this just in general? We saw a lot of really good movies this past year about, like, how being an artist will drive you absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of, if you haven't watched the menu, you should. If you have ever worked in food service or just as an artist, you should go watch the menu. Please, I beg of you. Because um, I need more people to talk about it with. But there are tons of movie musical adaptions coming out. So I know they've cast some of Wicked. The Matilda musical came out this year. 13 the musical came out this year. Yeah. Basically, we're just on a real big kick for new movie musicals. I know they've announced Wicked for 2024. Uh, Color Purple is going to come out this year. I I don't remember what the rest of the announcements were, but I imagine we're going to see a lot more of those because I, there was such a rocky start to the movie musical coming back, you know? Um, I blame Dear Evan Hansen, but... Oh, my God. <laughs> it's not Dear Evan Hansen's actual fault. There were movies prior to that that were obviously La La Land and uh, even, shoot, it's the... Hairspray? Hairspray. Oh, I loved Hairspray, though. Hairspray is great. (laughs) 
Hairspray is a great movie musical. It's so nostalgic for me. Yeah, I know. but I'm saying, like, neither, none of those, like, took off. Like, uh, Hairspray came out in 2007. So it was, like, a very slow return to movie musicals. And then I feel like with the new West Side Story and uh, yeah. In the Heights, I feel like those really kicked off, like, just how popular movie musicals could be again. And to be fair, those are both very good movie musicals. Like, they're well-filmed and well-made. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what else they decide to adapt. Movie musicals definitely have, like, their their cycle, where we get a ton in, like, a two- to three-year span, and then it's, like, five to seven years before anything of real note comes out, and then, like, there's this big boom again. And it's interesting because it's also stretched into just, um, you know, examinations of artist life. Like, we had Elvis. Austin Butler just won for Elvis. The new Whitney Houston movie's out. Uh, a couple years ago, the respect with Aretha Franklin came out. Like, they've they've been pushing a lot of big big star movies too, and I always find those really fascinating to watch. I think we're definitely gonna see some time period biopics about biopics biopics. I, it's one of those words I never say out loud. Anyway, we're gonna see a lot more of those for I think even classical musicians. I think there's gonna be a renewed interest in like the. Very specifically, the non-authentic period film. And what I mean is, like, if you've seen The Great, which is Catherine the Great, or even, like, in the style of, oh, Persuasion, which came out recently, or Bridgerton, this kind of period film that isn't accurate, but is kind of more <laughs> more about the vibe of that, I bet you we will see some kind of Mozart-Beethoven movie that comes out in that style. Because mm-hmm. I think people just like it. Also, if I say Michael Shannon, do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, I feel like I've maybe heard that name, but I'm, sure. I'm not sure. All of you use your phones. You have phones. Google Michael Shannon. <laughs> Google Michael Shannon in Bullet Train and tell me that man would not make the most incredible Beethoven. I need you to look Michael it up. Shannon. Michael Shannon, Bullet Train. <laughs> he already yeah. looks like it. <laughs> <laughs> totally he's a great does. actor and i want to see him as beethoven i love it that'd be great oh but yeah we're definitely gonna see more of that more movie musicals adapt Hades Town, you cowards yeah but anyway that's our predictions that's our wrap-up from last year we're gonna be putting a little post up to ask you guys about your predictions and if there are any really interesting ones we may read them on a future podcast but despite all the good and bad from this list i am looking forward to the next year and seeing what comes yeah, I'm feeling pretty positive about 2023, so we will see. I'm glad that we can put all this drama to bed <laughs> in 2022, and uh, I guess let's just get ready for whatever happens in 2023. I'm optimistic that things will get better, but I hope if they get worse, they're at least funny. Anyway, <laughs> we will see you guys next week. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.